Welcome back to the E5 Podcast. I am Robbie Willis, and missing our co-host, Rob LaRue, who is always with us, but he's out of town holding revival. And so, in your honor, Rob, when you hear this, I want you to know that I am, as always, Robbie Willis, and I am joined by my co-host, Pastor David Willis. Go ahead and talk to us, Pastor David. I uh, am just glad that you guys have this all worked out because the technology end of it and the talking end of it, um, you guys are doing a good job with this. I'm just kind of here is what it, what it seems like. So, uh, but we're glad you're back with us and uh, so thankful for those of you that keep checking back in. As we build these podcasts, we're building them around our 4D discipleship program. And uh, over the next probably three to four episodes, it will take us to discuss disciple. And that's such a big word, Pastor Robbie, that literally people spend 40 years of their walk with Christ still learning how to be discipled. And so as we dig into this a little bit today, why don't you kind of start building us a foundation and and get us going that direction? And let's just discuss a little bit uh, of what we're talking about in disciple. And if you got the book, the 40 book, you're following along with us, we'll be starting on page 59. Uh, if you don't have that book and you're listening and you would love to have a copy, you can download that, I believe, on Amazon. Ain't that right? Yeah, that's right. And you can download a copy there. Uh, it's for a fee, uh, which we don't get nothing out of much. And to be honest, as many of these as Pastor Robbie and I give away, we are terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible book salesmen. Uh, as many of them as we give away, uh, it really ain't going to make that much of a difference. So uh, if you want a copy, it is there on Amazon. But if you're following along, page 49, Pastor Robbie, start uh, start us off on chapter 3 with Disciple. Sure thing. By the way, if you're looking it up on Amazon, the, the book title is Link Church in 4D. I believe they're $10 on that. Alternatively, you can get one for free. Here's how. You got to come to the 4D class that we offer once a month here at the church. It runs for about two hours. And uh, on a Sunday. We'll get you a shirt, service. too. Get you a free T-shirt and a book if you come that They're way. They're nice. If you're like, I'm not doing that, <laughs> get on Amazon. You can pick one up. Uh, so, yeah. So, when when we are looking at the 4Ds, discover, decide, disciple, deploy, we look at those, we, we envision those somewhat as steps in the discipleship process. So, first you discover who Jesus is. You discover who Link Church is. You decide to follow Jesus. We want you to decide to become part of the local church also. The third step is disciple, but this step includes seven dimensions. Now, just in the in the spirit of, of full disclosure, uh, I did not and Pastor David did not invent these seven dimensions. They are drawn directly from the Word of God, and actually they are articulated on the national website of the Assemblies of God. If you go to ag.org, and uh, you click on ministries, go down, uh, you may have to click on other ministries when you go to discipleship, then eventually you can find uh, where this was rolled out by my friend, Ellie Merkin, um, and it's uh, the seven dimensions of discipleship. So we, we, we are utilizing the seven titles, uh, the seven dimensions of a spirit-filled disciple, although we have developed those from the scripture in a way that I hope will be helpful to you. So the first dimension is Bible engagement. 
That is, if you're going to be a follower of Christ, you need to develop a love and an appreciation for the Word of God from very early on. Now, there's a couple things with this I want to say real quickly. First of all, if you have trouble reading and you're like, hey, I can't read the Bible, there's great uh, audio versions you can get uh, for free. You can go to YouTube and look up free audio Bibles and get a number of options there. Another is be sure that you can read and understand the translation that you are reading. Okay, so uh, by the way, the seven dimensions are not steps. They are dimensions. They are areas of life that we should all be working on for as long as we're alive. Before we jump into Bible engagement, uh, Dave, is there anything you want to share? I just, I hope you go and you look at those those things on the uh, on the AG website. If you've got the book, Pastor Robbie has a link for them down on page 59. Uh, you can actually go to uh, ag.org, discipleship, about us, and, and there's an area there you can literally see where we draw these from. I want you to know that we did not just go steal what is there, but we are using resources that are Absolutely. there for us and building on them in our way that they fit who we are as Link Church. Precisely, and we are, as we mentioned before, we are an Assemblies of God church. That's right. And as such, we certainly appreciate the resources that they make available, and we share a common vision of how to develop spirit-filled disciples. A a book that I've drawn from somewhat within the Link Church in 4D, that book, that is, I've drawn some statistics from them, is called Faith for Exiles, Five Ways for a New Generation to Follow Jesus in Digital Babylon. If you're familiar with the Barna Report, uh, then uh, the, the Ken Kinneman and Matt Matlock are with Barna. They're the ones that rolled out this book, and they offer some insight into what it looks like to for a, a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ, to become resilient. That is, when they begin to really study Christ followers, instead of looking at those who tend to end up shipwrecked in their faith, who seem to fall out. They studied those that stayed the course, those that remained faithful. And so, uh, well, I want to just share a little bit of what they say. Uh, Kinneman and Matlock note only about half of habitual churchgoers, young adults who attend church with regularity, strongly agree with straightforward statements about Jesus. Now, that's troubling because what it tells us is that about half of all those that actually attend church don't really agree with what the Bible says about Jesus. One of the things we want to make sure we're doing right here is to realize that it's not just about whether or not somebody likes us. It's it's about whether you fall in love with the Jesus of the Bible, Christ as he's represented and taught in the Word of God. And I'm just going to read for a second here. Lack of biblical knowledge is not without consequences. On the contrary, there is a direct correlation between the level of Bible engagement in believers' lives and the moral standards that are held by those same individuals. In 2019, the Assemblies of God partnered with the Barna Group to have a study done that actually focused specifically on our fellowship, on the Assemblies of God, but also compared us to a number of other fellowships and looked at how good are we doing at uh, getting people engaged with the Scripture, with the Bible. Well, what we found is that we need some work. We, yeah. we, we had to step it up some. So just to make sure you understand my language, when I'm talking about the engaged in this point, I'm talking about people who read the Bible and seek to understand it uh, on a regular basis, preferably on a daily basis, 
But the Bible plays a significant role in their life. The unengaged are those who may occasionally pick up the Bible, but it really has no bearing on your life as a whole. So engaged, unengaged. Check this out. The Barton Report found that the unengaged are 61% more likely to view pornography, 68% more likely to have sex outside of marriage, and 74% more likely to gamble. These numbers suggest that the moral decline that's devastating our culture is directly connected to biblical ignorance that exists in our churches. By contrast, uh, those who are resilient disciples, which, by the way, uh, Kinnaman and Matlock say is about 10% when looking at the young adult group, about 10% of those that claim to follow Christ actually seem to have a vibrant and robust faith. Among those that are engaged in the Bible, the engaged are 228% more likely to share their faith with others, three times as likely to volunteer at church, 231% more likely to disciple others, and 52% more likely to experience peace and joy in their daily lives. Now, time out here, and I'm going to pass this over to my pastor, but if you happen to be a pastor or a church leader, I want you to stop and make sure you take note of what I just said here. People with a high level of Bible engagement are 228% more likely to share their faith with others. That is, if you want to get people evangelizing, teach them the Bible. They're three times more likely to volunteer at church. If you're saying, man, I just can't get any help, make sure you teach the Bible and get it inside people's, people's hearts. You want to get people to help you make disciples? Those that are engaged with the Bible are 231% more likely to do that. And you want people that are just at peace and full of joy, a person that reads their Bible steadily, is 52% more likely to, to say, that's me. Pastor, what's that say to you? When I was a kid growing up, you went through this same experience, but we had what we called booster band. Yeah. Remember booster band? Oh, very well. Uh, my sister and I tease about booster band because if we had gotten trouble as we were older, you know, 13, 14 years old, my dad would say, get up there and sing in that booster band. You know, if you want to act like a kid, I'll let you be a kid. <laughs> but we'd sing a song, and the song went like this. You'll remember this. It said the B-I-B-L-E. Yeah. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand upon the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Amen. You know, it's a little kid's song. We used to sing in the booster band. But reality is the foundation of who we are, Pastor Robbie, is in the Word of God. That's right. It's not nowhere else. And if we want people to do the things you said, if we want them to understand, and I know sometimes people think around here especially, man, why do we put out theme thoughts? Why do we put out sermons? Why do we put out worship? Why do we put out all the stuff we're, we're trying to push and shove on social media and, and paper and things that we do, books, all the stuff we're doing. You know why? Because each theme thought, every theme thought that's shared, somebody's sharing different scripture. Right. Each song we sing, we're trying to uh, tie it into scripture. Everything that we do, we're, tr we're trying to get as much of the Word of God as we can in people because we understand the value of the Word of God. But even at that, Pastor Robbie, yeah. Even when your kid was growing up and you were feeding them baby food, you feed them, you feed them. There eventually comes to a place, though, where that child has to begin to feed themselves. Yeah. 
And no matter how much we try to put the Bible inside of you here at Link Church or wherever you're at, and, and maybe you're not involved in Link Church, wherever you are, you have to realize that there is an importance that you yourself get engaged in the Word of God. That's right. And I think that what we have to do, and, and I heard you say this not too awful long ago, and I, I believe it was relating to prayer. Set realistic goals. Yeah. Don't sit down and say, you know what, I'm going to read the whole book of Matthew tonight. You're probably not going to do that. True. Man, dedicate yourself to a chapter. Yeah. Dedicate yourself to two chapters. Yeah. Whatever it is, if, if it's a verse, if it starts somewhere and start moving forward. You know, I, my Bible app on the um, my phone, it's where I read a lot. Now, I have Bibles that I use for study Bibles at home, but my Bible app keeps up with how many days in a row I've been in the Bible. Yeah. And last year... Uh, At the end of the year, there was 365 days, and I got 363 of the 365, and I was completely aggravated with myself that I missed two days in the Bible app, and I went back and looked, and the two days I missed were Sundays. I was literally in the house of God. I read Scripture those days. I probably even read Scripture off my phone that day that I had saved in my notes, but I didn't get in my Bible app those two days, and so I had two days that it showed that I wasn't in the Word of God. But that was a goal of mine last year was to hit every single day that I was in the Word of God. Yeah, Pastor Robbie, I can tell you that I read, and I read a lot. My wife will tell you that. You read 10 times more than I ever can think about, and when I say read, we're not just talking about the Word of God. We read a lot of things. We read a lot of different books and material and study stuff. But what I can tell you is that when I started reading the Word of God, I didn't read like I do now. But as I began reading the Word of God, I began falling in love with the Word of God. Yeah. Now I like to see what's in it. What can I find? What do I see? And so I, I'm just saying set realistic goals. Put yourself into the Word of God because uh, actually, our theme this month literally is called weapons. What are you? What are you fighting with? What's your weapon of choice? And the Word of God is is a powerful weapon, according to Scripture, sharper than any two edged sword. Right. And so we don't understand what we're missing out on by not knowing the Word of God. Amen. So why don't you continue building here on the Word of God? Take us a little farther, wherever you're going, as far as this direction. Sure. So. Uh, just to, to throw this out, you mentioned setting realistic goals. I fully agree with that. Uh, sometimes people ask me, hey, uh, how do you read the Bible through in a year? There's plans out there, but here's a simple gauge. If you read three chapters of the Bible every day, you will get through the whole Bible in about a year. Uh, if you want to go through the Bible three times in a year, try to read 10 chapters a day. Uh, in some chapters of the Bible, they're short. Uh, and some, they're long. So some days it's going to be easy and some days it's going to be tough. But the important thing is, as you said, uh, just a consistent diet of the Word of God. Will you take, and and just for people out there, but will you give us just some history on the Bible? How did we get the Bible? Yeah. How, how was it brought to us? I, I mean, people sometimes think, well, it, all we know is, well, it's just the Bible. We've always had it. But how, how did we get here? How do we have the Word of God to read? Sure. So the Bible is written over a span of about 1,500 years' time, and it comes to us through about 40 human authors. Each of them were inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
They wrote in different times, different cultures, different languages, and yet they present a unified message. The Old Testament consists of 39 books, and the New Testament consists of 27 books. What's pretty wild is when you look at the prophecies that are in the Old Testament that were fulfilled with such great specificity in the person of Jesus Christ, and we just keep finding more and more that affirms the truth and the reality of the of the word when the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, one of the things that that they revealed is that the prophecies about Jesus in the book of Isaiah, that we have uh, copies of that that are dated well before, 150, even more years before Jesus Christ. Uh, that is manuscript that come to us uh, from, from well before the time of Jesus. And uh, so... Scholars devote their entire lives to understanding the Bible, and yet at the, at, at the same time that it's deep enough to mystify the most learned scholar, it's simultaneously simple enough that even a child can understand it. And Isn't that amazing? Incredible. And so, you know, 1 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all Scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. There was recently an archaeological find uh, where they appeared, what they discovered what appears to be a small fragment uh, that would have been written right around the time of Moses that, cont- that, that contains the name Yahweh, which was the Old Testament uh, revelation of God's name. So Moses began writing uh, the Bible about 3,500 years ago. And so Old Testament books were written from the time of Moses leading up to the time of Jesus about 2,000 years ago. Um, the, uh, and that's a little bit of oversimplification. So the book of Malachi was written, you know, about 400 years before, before Jesus. Then in the time that followed the earthly life of Christ, the apostles and some of their uh, associates wrote the New Testament during the first century. And so what we know is this. Is that that the Bible is is very it's very reliable. Actually, we have more handwritten manuscripts, more handwritten copies of the Bible than we have of any ancient document in existence, and they are about ninety five percent plus in agreement with each other among several thousands of manuscripts of of those copies in the original languages. They come to us. Uh, very much agreeing with each other. You're not seeing large amounts of copious mistakes, and that's pretty. It's pretty noteworthy, honestly. And so, it we really spent a long is. time on that subject. It really is, and and thank you for building that. Uh, just a question: If someone's sitting out there today, Pastor Robbie, and, and as our discipleship pastor, and they're sitting there thinking, "Well, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what to say or do, or you know, I, what if I don't understand what I'm reading? Oh, what?" What do you suggest? How do you suggest to people today that are listening to us here? We're saying, hey, start reading the Bible, crack open Genesis, whatever. I mean, tell us, what do you suggest when we start talking about this? Sure. Although I think every believer should at some point in their life read the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation, I actually don't recommend that you start reading in Genesis the first time. Instead, start in the Gospel of John. That's the fourth book in the New Testament. Why the Gospel of John? Because it gives a real good introduction to who Jesus is 
and how Jesus and the apostles themselves interpreted even the Old Testament. So, for instance, Genesis 1 begins with the words, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John begins with the word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were created by him. and Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of man. So what John is doing is he's reaching all the way back to creation and demonstrating that Jesus has been the unifying figure throughout all of history. Uh, the Bible make it, the Bible contains some scientific facts, and in places where it does, those will be true. But the Bible's not a science book, and if you're trying to make it one, you're you're going to get confused. The Bible's not a mathematics book; it's not a history book, though it contains uh, all of those things. It's the story of redemption. Yes. So this is the one thing I want everybody to take home for, from this part of the podcast. When you begin reading the Bible, read it as the story of how God desired to bring the human race back in relationship Amen. with himself. Amen. It's the story of redemption. By the way, just a couple of things you should know. The Bible was originally written in the languages of Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. The Old Testament is primarily written in Hebrew, and the New Testament is primarily in Greek, though we do have some Hebrew and some Aramaic, and, and a hint of Latin in a place or two. Um, so when we're what we're reading today, we're reading translations, um, Myself, I'm reading an English translation of the Bible. A lot of people are familiar with the King James Version. It was translated from the original languages in 1611. We have other very solid, very reliable modern translations like the modern English version, the English Standard Version. There's a rumor that goes around sometimes that people are misled and they think that those are just translated from the King James Version. That's actually not the case. The the scholars went back to the original languages and created up-to-date in the, in the language of today uh, translations that are very reliable. And so we want to we get people loving the Word of God. That's, that would be our goal with this, just read the Word of God, love the Word of God. Somebody comes to you, Pastor Robbie, and they say, hey, I don't really understand what I'm reading. Yeah. What, what do we suggest? What, what do we say to them? I mean, because uh, I'm going to say this, the worst thing to do is to jump on Google and just start Googling because you may get into some stuff that takes you way out in left field or right field. Absolutely. So they need to have some people in their life yep. that they can trust. But give us some suggestions. What do you suggest? Someone sitting out there and says, hey, I, I've been trying to read, but I'm not sure that I'm really grasping the whole concept and purpose. Is there certain commentary Bibles that we should trust? What should we be looking for? I, I know we recommend a lot to people, and I'm going to throw this, and then you can build I know we recommend the the AG backed uh, Bible with commentary, the Fire Bible, which is a very, very, very good commentary Bible that will sure. help you with some things. But we're searching, we're looking for somewhere to understand what we're reading. What do we do? Yeah, well, you've just mentioned two excellent things. One is as far as commentary, the Fire Bible is excellent. Um, a, another thing you mentioned is relationship. Uh, get some people in your life that you know that that they've been, in, they've been following Christ longer than you, and, and begin to ask questions, right? So if you just say, hey, would you teach me the Bible? A lot of times people have no idea how to do that. So what you want to do is you want to ask questions. You want to draw from people that are more mature in the faith. What does the Bible say about this? How, you know, what, what does the Word of God say about this? And you begin to, to draw from those relationships that you deem reliable. Another thing is, is this, and there's people out there that's going to be listening to this that's going to disagree with me, and, and you have a right to do that. That's perfectly fine. 
but I was raised on the King James Version of the Bible. I love it. I've got one in my briefcase right here by me right now. Uh, black leather. It's what I've memorized. Every scripture that I know is got is, got three of them. Absolutely is out of it. With that said, if you can't understand Elizabethan English, Shakespearean English, you're going to struggle to understand some parts of the King James Version. And, and out there somewhere, there's somebody that goes, not me, preacher. I understand it fine. That's awesome. I, I think that I do as well. There is a verse in the Bible that says, lay aside all superfluity of naughtiness. Um, I'm just going to tell you, most people don't know what superfluity of naughtiness is. And besides that, the, the word thee, thou, thee, they're just not words that are used in a lot in common language. Am I saying there's anything wrong with it? No. It's, it's a very good quality translation of the Bible. Yeah. What I am saying is this. A lot of people over the years, they've said, I can't understand the word. I've said, hey, I want to loan you my modern English version which, by the way, is the closest thing to a King James Bible in modern English that exists. Take it and read it and just tell me if it helps. So far, 100% of those so, yeah. have came back to me and said, I've never understood the Bible like I did now. And the, the whole thing is it was just them reading it in the language they speak. And I don't want anybody out there to think that I'm disparaging anything that you love. I'm just saying this, the King James Version didn't exist till about 1,500 years after Jesus and the apostles. It's excellent. It's a blessing. It's right here beside me. But even the translators for the King James Bible said in the translator's notes that people should always have a Bible available in the best version of the language that they speak. And I agree with every word of that. So build relationships, get a Bible in the language that you speak, uh, whatever language that may be, and uh, get a good commentary. Fire Bible is a good one. Uh, Thompson Chain is not really a commentary, but it's a good it's a good study Bible to learn like what other scriptures may be connected with yeah. a scripture that you're reading. Uh, and there's you know there's a lot of good life application has a good study Bible. Uh, a, lot, a lot of these good ones that are that are out there. You know, one in one thing that you encouraged me as a young Christian when when I was really digging in was. One, make notes as far yes. as that. If you have questions, make note of what you have a question about. But then also, because I remember very specifically calling and asking you about a scripture and something you taught me that mattered so much about reading the Word of God was, David, you can't just pick a scripture. Yes. You have to take the whole of what you're reading. Because a lot of times people want to say, well, what about this one scripture? And we have to go back and we have to look at the whole chapter, the whole book, who it's being written to. And those are things you may not understand when you're reading the Word of God. So what I'm trying to say in that is something you told me years ago. Don't get hung up on one scripture if you may not understand what completely is going on in the whole chapter or book. Very good. So you never want to isolate a verse out of context, yes. right? So, so look at, and, and this is especially helpful if you may not be understanding something you're reading entirely. If you don't understand a verse, look at the paragraph it's in. If you still don't understand the paragraph, look at the chapter. And sometimes even expand to the whole book, and that'll help you get the, the, the logic of what's being written there, right? Um, also, uh, something that, that, that's important is we always want to ask ourselves first, what would this passage have meant to the people that heard it first? So if you're reading the book of 1 Corinthians, that was written to Corinthian believers in the first century. So I need to ask myself, what would a first century Corinthian have understood this to mean then? So the Bible speaks to me in a fresh way 
But for me to understand what it's actually mm-hmm. saying, the first step is to understand what it meant to the original here. Another just good general practice is bring your Bible when you come to church, right? Whether that's a physical Bible, whether it's a Bible app, and when the minister's preaching, follow along. This is why. That helps you get an idea of how your pastor is interpreting the Bible, right? And so that's a good way to learn is to follow along. Yeah. If you're in a good Bible preaching church, follow along with the pastor, with the minister as he or she is preaching and allow yourself to learn from the way they're applying Scripture and it can help me say, oh, I, I see how that can apply in my life as well. And what I would say, uh, j- just one more thing, because you said something so beautifully there, is don't allow yourself to isolate one Scripture and, and become something. Most people that want to be argumentative about Scripture, that's what they want to do. They want that's to pick right. one Scripture out and use that Scripture out of context of what the whole says often. Right. Don't fall into that trap. Don't, don't allow that to happen to you. And don't allow that to be what you become if you're not careful. Uh, we're going to move on to the second yes. dimension, and I'm going to open that up and, and let you let you go. But our second dimension that we're talking about uh, after we talked about Bible engagement, which, you know, not only is we're talking about being in the Word of God, that literally is a tool also that the Assemblies Absolutely. of God has built. And sometime I encourage you to get on Google and look up Assemblies of God Bible Engagement app. See what that is. It's something that we use actually here in the church. Right. It's not just a, a terminology. It's actually something that is very valuable. Uh, but on page 65 in our book, Dimension 2 is a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit here. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the active agent in salvation, according to what we believe. At the moment that salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in a believer's life as a witness that you have become God's child. Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote it like this for us, Pastor Robbie. He said, for you have not received the spirit of slavery again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits uh, that we are children of God. That's Romans 8. 15 and 16. Amen. Again, 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 tells us this, for by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether we are Jews or Gentiles, whether we are slaves or free, and we have all been made to drink of one spirit. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot here just a little bit, Pastor Robbie, but this last year at Men's Retreat, that spirit of adoption, you talked about that a little bit, and I want you to take these texts, and I want you to bring us into a place where we're talking about that relationship with the Holy Spirit and just build this for us just a little bit so we can get a concept of what we're talking about. Absolutely. So uh, when you read Romans 8, talking about the spirit of adoption, this is actually another picture of salvation that that we didn't include in in chapter 2, but it really would have fit beautifully in chapter 2. And that is the concept of adoption. Now, I am an adoptive father. Uh, Pastor David, you and Sister Brittany are in the process of of adopting. We understand what it is to to make a child legally your own that was not previously so. And so I want to use just a, a couple illustrations. Now, allow me to say up front that I understand that ancient adoption laws are not exactly like things work in the state of Arkansas. But let me just give you some tidbits of Arkansas adoption, okay? Here's one. In the state of Arkansas, you cannot disinherit an adopted child. Think about it. That is, when I adopted 
uh, my uh, t- when I adopted two of my children, I have six, three biological and, and three adopted, and then two that are already with the Lord in heaven. When I adopted my first two children, the judge looked at me and he said, do you understand that by finalizing this adoption, you grant an irrevocable right for them to inherit from you? I said, yes, sir, I I do. He then asked another question. Do you understand that the the state of Arkansas, it is illegal for you to rehome an adopted child. That is, I cannot just choose after adopting my child to let them go live somewhere else. Dave, I trust you more than anybody on this earth, but I can't just say I'm going to send my child to live with you. Nope. Uh, I'm giving them a right to be in my home. I'm giving them a right to inherit from me. And one of the other things that's cool, and then we'll come back to the biblical model in a second, just think about this. When my children's adoption was finalized, new birth certificates were issued that reflect that they were born to me and my wife. Now, that's crazy if you think about it, but it's pretty powerful also. Although, for instance, Robert and Jasmine were not adopted by us until uh, 2015, their birth records show that they have been our son and daughter since 2005 and 2006 when they were born. Mm -hmm. When God takes us as his own, the Bible tells us that We have received the spirit of adoption, and by that, we cry, Abba, Father. That word, Abba, loosely translated is something like dad. I'm able to cry, Dad. If you're a parent, when when, when your toddler first starts talking, every toddler on the planet, I guess, says some version of daddy or mama, but when your child yells, Daddy, they could be in the middle of a thousand people, and you'll pick out their voice. That's right. You'll know them. There's a connection that happens there. Adoption, biblically, gives us the right to catch our Father's attention. Uh, by the way, by the grace of God, I'm going to preach on this Sunday also. Go uh, right the, ahead. The, the, the Abba prayer, the, the, the cry. And, and so, adoption gives us the right to cry out to God, and He hears us. He calls us his own. And, and so the Bible says in one place, um, but you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs. Remember I told you just a minute ago that in Arkansas, you, you cannot disinherit an adopted child. Yes. The yeah. Bible tells us in the biblical context, it's the same thing here. If you are children, then you are an heir, an heir of God, and a joint heir with Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I I think that sounds all right. Whatever inheritance Jesus has, the Bible says I can can be a joint heir with him. There's just a little if there. If so be that, that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. When you're part of God's family, we suffer together, but we also experience glory together. We go through low times together. We go through high times together. You know who makes that all possible? It's the Holy Spirit. Praise God. It's the Holy Spirit that that, that cries out to God within us. That's the Spirit's work. Now, we can't, um, let me let me turn this right. He will never revoke his spirit of adoption on us. Sure. But we can choose to walk away from that. Your children today, Pastor Robbie, if I understand correctly, if you have left for them an inheritance, you cannot exclude them from that inheritance, 
but any of your three adopted children could choose to exclude themselves from that inheritance, correct? My father told this story about a person he knew who an individual was murdered, and after their death, they had no living heirs. So their inheritance, their estate, was divided among the nearest relatives. Each of those relatives were notified. This is a true story. This is not a parable. Each of those relatives were notified of what they would receive. One of them said, and I quote, I will not take that blood money. And he signed a paper revoking his right to his own inheritance. So you're right. It was his, but he revoked it. He chose. God will never choose to revoke our inheritance but we can choose to refuse our inheritance. We can ref- we can choose to walk away, yet he will never choose to walk away. Praise God. Think about it like that. And what makes us, what makes us yearn to stay, what makes us yearn to be there is just what we're talking about, a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit's what draws us. And so as we go a little farther here, uh, and, and as, as you know, and as we say, if you ever want to question or you ever want to look, you can look at uh, our our national website, yeah. uh, or you can go to www.getlinkchurch.org. There's a place there where it says beliefs, but you can go to ag.org. As uh, as is reflected by our statements of faith, we also believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yes. That's described in the book of Acts. This is not a secret. We look forward to the fact that uh, something we started out of 4D is Freedom Fire Family Nights. Fire Night is specifically designed where we are believing for the power of God and the Holy Spirit to come and have his way with people. Absolutely. If that means filling them with the evidence and speaking in other tongues, that's exactly what we would love to happen. However it is done, we support it. And so when we look at this, we believe that all believers have access to the Spirit's baptism and its empowerment. That that key part is all believers have yes. access to this, not just anybody, all believers, correct? Right. This teaching will be explored uh, more in depth in chapter 4 as we go a little farther. But what we want you to realize is that everybody that has a relationship with God is a candidate for the Holy Spirit to infill them in their lives. And according to what we see in Scripture, we see that uh, the Holy Spirit helps produce good fruit in the lives of believers. Paul told us this in Galatians 5 and 22. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Against such, there is absolutely no law, Pastor Robbie. You can do all that stuff that you want to. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. I'm going to let you take it from here and talk about just a little bit more stuff. There's some other places, but I'm going to give us a free plug, too. If you want to learn more about the fruits of the Spirit, we put together a sermon series back last fall. You wrote a book after the sermon series was over talking about the fruits of the Spirit. And and actually, not too long ago, I received a call from someone who said, hey, uh, I was in our local jail. Uh, (laughs) They weren't bragging about it, but hey, I was in our local jail and was reading a book that you wrote, and it was on the fruits of the Spirit. Praise God. Talked about how it helped them very much so. 
not bragging on us. I'm just saying, thank God that it was there. The material was available. And so if you're looking for a little more on that subject, we do have something available. But talk to us a little more about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, where we're not just talking about a relationship with the Holy Spirit, but the literal infilling of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Absolutely. That book, by the way, if you want to pick up a copy, is called Be Fruitful, a Link Church Theme Study. You can pick that up on uh, on Amazon as well. We believe that uh, just as everyone receives the Holy Spirit at salvation, in that sense that you can now cry, Abba, Father, we also take Jesus at his word. When he said in Acts chapter 1-5, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. In, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus said there is a baptism in the Holy Spirit, uh, an infilling in the Holy Spirit that is available to all believers. This is an empowerment for service. This is when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we receive God's very own power to yeah. carry out the calling and the purpose that He's placed on our lives. So in our last podcast, when we talked about water baptism, we discussed how a minister, when you're baptized in water, takes you and places you in the water and you relinquish yourself into his or her control for a moment. They take you under, they bring you back up. But Jesus is himself the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, Matthew chapter 3. But there stands one among you who's mightier than I, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy yeah. to unloose. Yeah. Think he about it. shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. When we are baptized with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, depending on whether, whether you're reading the King James Version or a modern, more modern translation, Jesus Christ himself takes you and places you into the person of the Holy Spirit, and you come up filled, surrounded, dripping wet with the presence and power God. of the Holy Praise Spirit. God. Himself, That infilling, that empowerment comes with an infusion of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We read about those in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone for the common good. To, to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy to another discerning of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But that one and very same Spirit works all these things, dividing to each one individually as He will. Again, in Romans 12, 6-8, we read, We have diverse gifts according to the grace that is given to us. If prophecy according to the proportion of faith, if service in serving, he who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with generosity, he who rules with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. The baptism in the Holy Spirit opens the door to a lifetime in the supernatural through which we are able to operate in each of these gifts. Now, God uses some in certain gifts and others in other gifts, but they're all supernatural. And this is the purpose for the infilling that we might operate in the gifts and that we might be bold witnesses of who Jesus Christ is to those who do not yet believe. This is literally one of the things that we say 
is one of our team values every week. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus promised to build his church, and as he's continued building it, how's he doing it? He's supernaturally equipping its members through the working of the Spirit. Literally, we say this every single week as one of our team values. Why do we pray for miracles? Why do we still believe fire falls from heaven? Why do we still believe people get filled with the Holy Spirit? Why do we still believe that things happen that no other explanation for than just simply signs and wonders or the better half has yet not been told. How can we explain those things? Literally, we still believe God does supernatural things, Pastor Robbie. That's where we stand in those things. And, And in doing that, we have come to a place where we realize that these fruits that you just, that I read about, and then the gifts that you read about, while we believe they're, they're, uh, they're available to believers. We also have to understand completely that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's right. not going to make you or I take anything. He's not going to force himself uh, on us to accept joy in our lives. Sure. He's not going to do those things. And, and so we have to be willing to understand that in this, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Right. But yet, He's for everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. If you want him, if you want it, he'll let you. Absolutely. I mean, and so I've heard people say, well, I just don't think that's for me. That's not what we believe. Uh, and when I say that's not what we believe, that's a kind way of me saying, no, that's not true. He is for you. Right. He's for everybody. He wants everyone to function in the fullness of what they can yes. in Christ Jesus. And so we hope that you understand that literally, these things that we have come to grasp in how important the Holy Spirit is in our lives. And I know, I know in that you, you've got some, some statistical things and a few things here in the book and how important it is for the Holy Spirit to be active in our life. And so as we're coming to the end of our podcast, w- would you share some of those with us this, this afternoon? Yeah, just kind of two numbers that I think are really significant that, that both flow out of the book of Romans says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we believe that the more you understand the word of God, the more faith you have to receive. So one thing that the Barna built on the Bible study found was that 71% of Assemblies of God folks, Assemblies of God church attenders who were surveyed said that they spoke in other tongues. Now that's just one of the gifts of the spirit, but 71% said yes whereas only 15% of the national baseline said yes. What's that tell me? Well, in the Assemblies of God, we put a good deal of emphasis on the gifts of the Spirit and especially on speaking in other tongues. So if you're hearing that preached, you're getting that understanding, you're far more likely to experience that in your life. But now this is the one that really blew my mind. Only 6% of people, regardless of denomination, only 6% of people with low Bible engagement speak in other tongues. That tells me that if you don't spend time in the Bible, you are very unlikely to experience some of these supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. So while some people might think uh, when they say, well, hey, what can I do if I want to if I want to receive the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What can I do if I want to speak in tongues? Some people might say, well, go to an exciting service. That's important, but this report bears out that one of the best things you can do is actually just get in the Bible and begin to read it and love it and let it speak to you every day. I know growing up, my pastor, Pastor Robert Bowen, 
often would say this, especially for people that were seeking to go deeper in God. One of his big challenges was pick up and read the book of Acts. That's right. <laughs> Literally just pick up and read the book of Acts. The book of Acts, to me, is actually one of, and this may not, I want this to come across properly, but is one of the easier books to understand because literally it's just being told in story form the whole way. It's just what actually happened, the events that took place and us seeing them take place. And so that is something that understanding, and I I guess what what you're trying to tell us here, Pastor Robbie, very plainly is this. You don't, a lot of people may not think it's for them, but it's just because they haven't read the Word of God to think it is for them as far as that goes. Sure. And what what we need you to do is get into the Scripture, how these things work together, Bible engagement, get involved in the Word of God, and then you'll realize through the hunger that God puts in you for His Word how important these other things are, the gifts, Absolutely. the the, the things that God has for us, the fruits, those things, how the Holy Spirit moves in our lives and works in our lives. And what I would say is this. If you, um, if you hang around Link Church for very long, you're going to see some of these things Absolutely. because we do believe in them. Now, come to fire night. <laughs> that's exactly right. We believe in them. We long for them to happen. We don't pray for supernatural stuff just because we don't have nothing else to do. Right. We don't pray for people to still be filled with the Holy Spirit just because we have nothing to do. We want you to understand that we do believe still yet to this day in these supernatural things that took place in the book of Acts, literally. And we want those to be part of you and your life. And so that said, we're going to close this episode out. And we just hope you understand that as we're building this, this was two uh, of the dimensions in the 4D discipleship book. Uh, If you go to chapter three on discipleship, you'll see that these were the first two dimensions. Probably take us another three weeks to build the other the other five and then talk about uh, actual groups or community. However, we uh, uh, want to discuss that when we get there as far as that goes. But thank you so much for being part of uh, of this program, the E5 podcast with us each and every time that you're listening. I know some of you are regular listeners. Uh, boy, you poor people. You know, you just keep coming back for more. Uh, that's exactly right. But we are thankful for that. We're thankful for the feedback that we get when you guys let us know how you enjoyed it. We greatly do appreciate that, and we we enjoy hearing those things. Uh, but these particular podcasts are being built, Pastor Robbie, to go along this, alongside our 4D program so that people can go a little deeper and, and see a little more. Uh, what closing thoughts do you have today on on what we've discussed, Bible engagement and, and activation of uh, a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Just a challenge, really, to go all in and make up your mind, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give myself to these two dimensions of growing as a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to fall in love with the Bible. I'm going to read it. I'm going to understand it. I'm going to put it into action in my life. And I'm going to fall in love with the Holy Spirit and grow in relationship with Him. And I just challenge you to choose to receive all that God has for you and know that these gifts are for you. We've received a great gift in being able to have access to the Bible, to the Word of God. Thank God. And and may we never take that for granted. And just trust in this, friend, that just like Jesus said concerning those who are baptized, he said, Lo, I am with you always, 
even to the end of the world, know that he's going to be with you always, and he will himself empower your discipleship process. I agree 100 percent. And and if I was following up, I would I would say go back to some of the stuff we said. Yeah. Set some small goals. Don't don't think you're gonna bite the elephant all at once. You're not you're not gonna read the the whole Bible in the next two weeks. If you do, that's awesome, yeah. but most likely you're not going to. Right. Uh set some small goals. And behind that, when it comes to pass the word of God, dig into it, get into it. My challenge to you with the Holy Spirit and the things of God, the fruits and the gifts would be this. Be open-minded. Be, be willing. Be, be willing to hear God speak to you. Be willing to listen. When you ask God to do something for you, give him time to act on that. Don't, don't assume it's not for you. Don't assume he's not going to. Give God the opportunity to do those things, and we encourage you in that. Pastor Robbie, I'm going to let you pray and dismiss uh, this uh, dismiss us like we're in a service or something all of a sudden, you know, bow your head and close your eyes. Everybody here bowed their head and close their eyes on the podcast right now. <laughs> anyway, Pastor Robbie, I'm going to let you pray and close us out on this, uh, this episode of the E5 podcast. I do want to say again, man, uh, the last couple of times we've had uh, Pastor Mike with us. We miss him not being able to be Absolutely. with us tonight. Uh, but we also miss our co-host, Pastor Rob LaRue, and uh, hope that the blessings of God are falling on him as he's out doing God's work in ministry, uh, holding revival in other places, him and his wife, Sister Lydia. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our lives, in our local church. Lord, in all the churches throughout our region, Father, we thank you for those that have listened to our podcast today, and we just ask for a release of your grace and your power upon them. Father, let there be a love for the Bible that grows in hearts and lives. And Lord, for anybody that's listening right now that has not yet been baptized with the Holy Spirit, but they desire to be, I pray that right now they would throw up their hands and just receive what you have for them. Lord, let your glory overtake them right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let faith arise within hearts and souls. And Lord, I thank you that you are the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Let your presence fall in, in, in cars, in homes, in workplaces, wherever people are at. Let your glory fill them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again, friends, for joining us for the E5 podcast. We look forward to being back with you next week. God bless you.